everybody and welcome to episode number 14 of the RIP podcast. We hope that you had an incredible Easter following the last episode and uh, we hope that you've had a good week since. This week on the show, we've got a very metal show for you this week. Reviews come from the likes of Examinate, Sally, and... Fuck me, where are my notes? Celestial Sanctuary. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough metal for you, this week's uh, Symphonies of Destruction comes from none other than At the Gates with their masterpiece, uh, Slaughters of the Soul. But before we get to all of that, I should start off with how I always start off. Christoph, how has your week been, buddy? Yeah, it's been fucking banging, mate. Weather's been weirdly shit. I've been weirdly productive. It's been fucking weirdly pleasant. Yeah. Mm. I'm weirdly uh, glad for you. <laughs> but uh, Barnaby, how have you been, buddy? Tell you the truth, actually. Shit's been looking pretty good this week. I've uh, been getting calls about potential events coming back, so my proper field of work's going to hopefully be restarting very soon. And life's been doing pretty pretty well, to be honest with you. Never really got much, much else to say on that, other than, yeah, things are looking yeah. good. Yeah, that's good, buddy. I'm glad. How things on your How things on your end, Stephen? I'm doing very, very well. I'm. Uh, we're recording this on the weekend of WrestleMania, so for those who don't know, I'm an avid fan of watching men in spandex wrestle on a mat, and uh, I'm brandishing a uh, a Ric Flair T-shirt at the moment, which is basically Ric Flair doing what he does best, which is woo! Yeah, and if that's not an energizer, I don't know what the fuck is. So uh, I think that we should probably crack on with a bit of news to get going with the show. So um, I'll let you begin with this, Barnaby. What have you got for us in the news this week? I've got several good stories, but actually, before we get going, I want to actually pay tribute to someone who is not metal per se, but was quite loved in the metal community. And that is a rapper DMX, who unfortunately died at the age of 50 yesterday due to a heart attack, which uh, spawned from substance abuse. I know it's not exactly metal. I mean, DMX is a rapper, but he was loved by a lot of people in the uh, metal community, us included. And I just wanted to pay tribute to him and say rest in peace, DMX. And our thoughts are with his family at this current time. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with you, man. It's, it was such like a... I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it was strange having like, you know, Prince Philip died the same day as DMX. And it was like, Looking at social media and seeing just a wash of like people that were, you know, tributing Prince Philip and then all of a sudden like DMX. It was such like a trippy thing to see because like they're this complete polar opposites of people. Um, but it was a it was a shitter to see DMX. I mean, I not to say that Prince Philip was um, by any means like, you know, just as like uh, I'm sure that people that are very patriotic and. And, you know, follow the royal family, it was a devastating loss. I mean, for me personally, I, I, <laughs> I, did, I was like conflicted because I was like, well, yeah, I appreciate that it's, it's a massive loss, you know, but for, uh, for me personally, I'm very nonplussed by it. Whereas when it comes to someone like DMX, you know, he's, uh, he's made more of a, an impact on me as a, as a human being. And, uh, and it was, it was more about DMX that day than it was about, you know, fucking Prince Philip or anything of that nature. I mean, uh, yeah, man, it was fucking horrible reading that. Uh, DMX, I mean, is one of those like hip hop artists that kind of I listened to throughout my youth growing up. And um, 
you know, I always found that DMX had like such a good kind of gruffy, throaty voice that you could kind of really connect with it rather than a lot of that stuff that was coming out at that time. Uh, Christoph, I mean, presumably you were a DMX fan as well. Yeah, dude, like metal and hip hop are my two fucking things. So it was, yeah. it was savage. And the thing is, whether like you acknowledge the fact that he wasn't the greatest lyricist, he was always one of those artists who just didn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. What I say offends you, then fuck you, bud. Like, and he mm-hmm. always, and he was a great, great uh, gateway into hip hop. He was just a fucking amazingly expressive dude, you yeah. know? And yeah, it was it's fucking tragic. And what's even worse was like at the start of yesterday, you had all of these false reports that he had passed away because he was like in a comatose state. And his manager was like, No, 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 he hasn't passed away. So then gets to the afternoon and all of a sudden I'm like, All right, now there's more people saying he's passed away and he actually had. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this horrible thing of like you wake up, and you're like, shit, man, DMX is fucking dead. And they're like, he's not dead. And they're like, oh god, he actually fucking well is. I'm like, it's this emotional yeah. roller coaster. Yeah, and then everyone's that's like, fucking shit. And like, he's only fifty, you know. Philip, I'm not patriotic. Also, dude was fucking ninety nine years. He was almost a hundred. Like he was yeah, like a month exactly. and a half away from a hundred. That's a full fucking life. It's like months. when you get to that age, you know your hourglass is running out. So it wasn't surprising yeah. that he eventually just gave up the ghost. Well, yeah. he was walking around like a fucking zombie for the last month as well. Like I don't know. I mean, we say, say the month. He was walking around probably the past fucking year or two at least, looking like the undead. No offense to yeah, the exactly. <laughs> you see that photo of him inside the Range Raider? It just looks like he could be easily in fucking Cold War zombies or something like that. Well, it was fucking terrifying. You know, The Walking Dead, they pay tribute to Prince Philip by incorporating some CGI version of him in his last months into, like, you know, some walkers <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think uh, as soon as, like, he went into hospital, the last one, people should have gone, okay, and he's, he hasn't got much time left. But DMX took, yeah. was completely by surprise. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, going back to DMX, who, we, you know, we very much are, more inclined to mourn about really it's just it was a horrible thing to to start the weekend off really and um you know i I spent last night looking at his woodstock 99 performance yeah banging. it's it's just like go goosebump tingling i mean that festival i think any band that played that year was incredible but dmx was just so fucking just looking at the crowd's reaction to him it was just it's just incredible you know it just it just shows uh that he was such a fucking incredible incredible dude who could just get people going you know so you get when you have that much like unhinged charisma and attitude like the two together you're just like you can't help but love a guy like that yeah exactly uh and seeing all the tributes that have come in the wake of it as well like Snoop Dogg put up this really cool like thing that, that, that I didn't even know that they had done it. It was just those two in the studio just basically uh, riff raffing. It was really fucking cool seeing that. Nice. Um, but yeah, um, R.I.P. DMX man. It's uh, gone way too soon. But he's yeah. obviously left a really really fun, awesome discography in his way. Um, anything else you've got? Well, I suppose you haven't even began the news, really. I mean, that was just like... Yeah, a, this is the, of, the free news. <laughs> Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Cancer. We are getting, we are getting back to metal-related stuff now. But yeah, as, as we said, go listen to It's Dark and Hell is Hot by DMX. <laughs> Fucking banger of an album. Right, now I'll get on to the metal stuff. I'm going to start off by slandering off um, one supposed medical expert called Ted Nugent. 
I guess we're all familiar with you. I know I'm using that term quite loosely. It almost uh, makes me gag putting this two together. I guess we're all familiar with who Ted Nugent is, aren't we? Oh yeah. Barbecue sauce, fucking cowboy wanker. Yeah. <laughs> who used to be a musician back in the day and played guitar terribly. I got a set of barbecue ribs named after Piers Morgan because I don't like that guy. He thinks my gun should be taken away from me. As you were, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, actually. Fucking hell. Well, this is an article that Metal Sucks have uh, written about Ted Nugent, and it's quite um, sarcastic in many ways because obviously those two do not go very well together. And the headline reads, Ted Nugent wonders why COVID 1 through 18 didn't shut anything down. So he's basically coming out and saying that, oh, COVID 19's been exaggerated, the deaths are exaggerated. Like, oh, COVID 1 through 18 didn't do a damn thing. Why can, do, can I not go on tour now because it's COVID 19? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It's, he's like, yeah. he goes like, there was a COVID 1 and there was a COVID 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way up to 18. And it didn't shut anything down. But whoa, COVID 19, even though it's 99.8% survival, we didn't shut anything down for the AIDS epidemic, and it just goes on and on and on. I don't want to give you guys fucking brain damage reading it, so I'm going to stop. Imagine a podcast of him and Stephen Carpenter just having a fucking chat about their beliefs. <laughs> like, fuck. Oh, God. They don't, because that could actually be a fucking thing. They're both yeah, Christoph, like be careful what you wish for, my tree. friend, because it might actually happen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those scenarios where you just want to, like, okay, okay, Ted, well... What if, for charity, right, we basically injected you with the 19 strains of, like, all these COVID fucking uh, viruses and then see what happens to you, you know? And it's like, if if nothing happens, then fair enough. You've, like, raised, like, a million dollars for charity or whatever. But if, you know, if he ends up fucking getting really sick, then uh, I suppose he was wrong. You know, yeah, if he gets really sick, make if that, he gets really sick and dies, then we're rid of Ted Nugent. So that means we win. Yeah, that's we could we could turn like America could turn that into like a reality TV show, like Down with Ted or Let's Get Sick with Ted, and it's just basically like Ted Nugent getting loads of strains of like these fucking COVID like viruses put into his body, and then uh, and then we just basically see what happens. It could be yeah. done, Big brother. Ted is sat in his living room. Let's see what he's up to this afternoon. And he's basically writing an acoustic song about fucking racism and guns and stuff. Uh, how he loves racism and like and fucking guns should always be a thing. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it'll, just, <laughs> it'll just be like the most success success. Like it'll be more successful than the uh, the Kardashians. Is that what it's called, the Kardashians? I yeah, I mean, I wouldn't watch either of them to be honest, because they'd both be shit. I should say the reason for this rant, which he's done, is because the uh, production company had to cancel his tour, which was sh- scheduled for this year. So he's pissed off he's not able to tour and has to push it back to next year. And uh, one of the things he said in the article in his round as well, I was like, I'd ask you because I'm addicted to truth, logic, and common sense. If that's what truth, logic, and common sense is, I don't want to have any of it. <laughs> Anything he's addicted to is fucking stupidity. Anyway, yeah, Ted Nugent still being a, uh, a fucking an idiot. Hashtag wanker, or... scra- wanker scratch fever. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, what else have you got in the news, Barnaby? Uh, I'll move on to something that's not going to be infuriating or uh, political, for that matter. Um, guys, what's, what are our thoughts on Lordy? Have we got any Lordy fans here? I love a bit of Lordy. What do you think, Christoph, about Lordy? Well, mate, theatrical fucking bollocks in spacesuits. 
Fucking fantastic. <laughs> Space well, you are both in for a treat. Would you like to guess how many Lordy albums are going to be released in one month? Oh. 69. Not that many, but good guess. Isn't also, it like, also, nice. It's like 12, isn't it? They're releasing an album every you're getting, month. You're getting much, much closer. Much closer. Why is it every day? Fuck me. 365 albums? Lordy are going to release seven new albums in one month. In one month? Yep. That's what, according for, to Metal Sucks, month, anyways. Like, tw- for 12 months, they're going to release seven records for each month. No, they're going to release seven new albums in one month. That's what the article says. Oh, right. So not as in, like, it's going to be each month of that year. It's going to be one month in particular. Yeah, seven one month. So we're going to get gonna... seven Lordy albums in one year. Yeah, basically. Right. I think it's just because, obviously, being locked up with COVID, they had nothing else better to do. So they're like, oh, fuck it. Seven albums worth of Lordy material. Why not? Fucking hell. Um, have they got the budget to release like seven records in a month? Like that's a lot of like distribute. Yeah, like, distribution. I mean you're forgetting that home recordings become a lot easier, and I mean they're still. I think their novelty has worn off a little bit since Hard Rock Hallelujah and Eurovision and all that stuff, but they still have a following. Like they still got fans out there, so I think yeah. they've definitely got the means to do it. Yeah. So yeah. Fair place. Oh, it also depends if you're going to go with physical copies or not, you know? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, like how much of it, like, surely, like, a band releasing one album as it is, like, takes quite a big chunk out of their budget for, like, the physical copies and, like, the, the vinyls yeah. and the CDs and the artwork. You just wonder, like, well, how much money did they get from Eurovision if, if they can afford to, like, have seven records... Uh, and each one of them having a physical release. That's a very, very, that'll be a lot of money. Mm. I mean, they better be fucking good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lordy will do just fine. And it's also the making it back up. Like, as a fan, if a band releases an album, I can afford to buy the album or the vinyl. That's great. If they're going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to release seven, you're like, well, what the fuck, dude? Which one do I buy? Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford seven fucking vinyl in a month. Yeah. It's like I remember when uh, I don't know if either of you are a fan of the band Down. Uh, I mean, I know like Down, like Phil Anselmo is generally like you know a bit of like an icky thing to associate music with right now. But like I mean, I, I'm a really big fan of Down, and like I remember the last release that they had releases, should I say, that they had done. They had basically brought out like four EPs, and uh, all of them had like physical releases, and I, I loved every one of them. And I was just like. I always question, like, fuck me, like, is that like taking the same bite as it would if they were to release like a full length album, or is it like more cost effective to have just like, you know, fucking what's that fucking noise? You can hear music. Yeah, where's that coming Someone from? Someone listen to. No, where that's coming from? It's not from my head. <laughs> the fuck? Oh, it fucked me over there. I was in the middle of something as well, and now I can't remember where I was. Oh, was... you were talking about Fid Anselmo and Down and... Yes, that it's was all it. It's motherfucking so, Anselmo. So Down released uh, four EPs, and obviously they, they all had a physical release. And I was just like, I always question, like, what well, does that have, like, any more of an impact uh, cost-wise if, it, if they were to release, like, a full length, as opposed to having, like, these separate, like, physical releases, uh, four of them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Obviously, maybe it might just be like no difference to the band in terms of a financial financial aspect uh, having multiple physical releases than just having one you know one full length one. But yeah, 
I'll be interested in seeing if, like, you know, at least one out of the seven are good from Lordy. Yeah, that sounds fair enough. Yeah, cool. I've got a bit of a uh, bit of news. Oh, this I, is uh... going to segue into the last bit of news. So that's uh, far okay. away. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we have talked about Fear Factory previously on this podcast and, and the whole debacle with Burton C. Bell leaving the band and, and you know, the, the, the countless amounts of, like, drama that seeped into the internet since then. Um, but more recently, Burton C. Bell, on an unrelated Fear Factory note, has, uh, has recently come out and said that Linkin Park's unanimous critically acclaimed hybrid theory was just a watered down version of a fear factory album i've got the quote here uh just to be uh thorough so it had the combination of heavy guitars and industrial and electronic elements he explained and my voice was a part of it no one was mixing that kind of clean singing and heavy vocal delivery at the time for a long time people thought it was two different singers the vocalist cited the album as career-defining for Fear Factory and stated that they nearly conducted a new genre in which others unsuccessfully tried to duplicate. Uh, Linkin Park did a watered-down version of Demanufactory, he claimed, adding that he wasn't a fan of hybrid theory. Uh, I respect what they did, but to me it sounded like Demanufacture for kids. So... I mean, I think we established like the uh, Barnaby. Have you ever gone in on? Let's just like put it to one side for a moment. His comments, like Fear Factory and, and the album in particular, Demanufacture. Have you listened to Demanufacture by Fear Factory? Yeah, that, yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, Christoph. Presumably, I mean, have you listened to Demanufacture like in full, or have you? Are you no, like, I've listened like, to it in drips and drabs, but yeah, not yeah. in full. Okay. You see, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a guy that I I love. The manufacturer i fucking worship that record in particular by fear factory and i also like hybrid theory by lincoln park so it was interesting to listen to those albums side by side following these comments from burton c bell and i just questioned like okay well you can kind of like say all right well yeah lincoln park they're doing heavy guitars with electronic elements you know, and they've got like a singer like Chester Bennington who's doing like the, the screamy, screamy, then the melodic clean singing, whatever. And when Linkin Park were obviously at the height of their powers with Vibid Fury, I mean, you can look at any band around that time and they were all doing the same thing. But obviously Linkin Park were doing it better. So I don't know whether or not Burton C. Bowers suggesting that all bands, uh, you know, Lincoln Park included were essentially copying Demanufacture because I mean for me personally I listen to Hybrid Theory and I listen to or I read sorry Burton C. Bell's comments and I say all right well where's the Mike Shinoda in your in Demanufacture because I don't hear any rapping or I don't hear any of that shit in Demanufacture to me Demanufacture is just a really fucking heavy industrial record and it's great but Lincoln Park, I don't think that you can really make that comparison because they are a bit of a different breed of animal. You know, I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up Mike Shinoda's ass either because I don't like Mike Shinoda. I, I think he's fucking shit, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, he's got his moments on Hybrid Theory. I'll give you that. But for the most part, I think he's shite. But again, like my argument to that would be like, well, 
it's a bit it's a bit different because you know they had rapping and they had Mike Shinoda doing his thing on Lincoln Park and there's none of that on a Fear Factory album. So I don't know what you guys think in regards to that comparison. I mean, can you see that there's similarities or do you do you basically disagree entirely with what Burton's saying? I mean, it's like I can see the electronic elements playing sort of true, but like the manufacturing Fear Factory has got like heavier riffs, double bass, blast beats, you know. Huh? Lincoln Park's got none of that. I mean, th- okay, some of the riffs are okay, but you get what I'm trying to say. It's like, yeah, they're still two worlds apart for fuck's sake. Yeah. And to be fair, Lincoln Park were a new metal band. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, they were not like any point... and corn and all that. Yeah, they weren't heavy enough to be classed as industrial. They mm. were more on the hip hop side like half the time. And why do you need to come out with this like 20 years down the line? You know, like exactly. It's almost like a thing of like, hey, if I if I shout about Lincoln Park, it will make me relevant again for five minutes. You know? Exactly. Exactly. This is kind of the thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm not in Fear Factory anymore. I kind of I don't want to be forgotten about. <laughs> let's uh, let's come out with like a very outlandish statement just to keep me relevant for a bit on the build up to like Fear Factory coming out with uh, a new album. Um, yeah, man, like I, I just think that it's let's put it this way. I mean, Hybrid Theory sold over 27 million copies worldwide to date and i'm pretty certain that like demanufacture is great as it is and i prefer demanufacture to hybrid theory it's gone nowhere near that level of like copies sold and it's just like i think that if it was a watered down version of fear factory technically i don't think it would have sold as well as like you know is hybrid theory but uh, exactly you know whatevs I mean, if, if Burton sees fit to keep himself relevant by cussing Lincoln Park a whole fucking, what, like 20 years plus after the after it was released? Fuck me, I can't even remember when Hybrid Fury was released, but... Oh, 2000. I was going to say, yeah. I think it was about that, because they recently did that re-release of Hybrid Theory with all the bells and whistles. Oh, like a yeah. reissue. Oh, okay, cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, so around about like 20 years plus then. Yeah. It's like you say, Christoph, like, why now when, like, you know, he could have come out with that when he was still relevant in Fear Factory when he was in the band still, you know, it's just like... Mm. Yeah, I'll I never understand think... it when people do that. It's like, why are you trying so desperately to stay relevant? It's like the former drummer of Corn, David Silveria, whatever Silvera. his name is. Yeah. still slagging off Corn. It's like, dude, you're only trying to stay relevant because you're a new band of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, dude, that that's so like that guy in particular. He's just been struggling so much to try and get a band. Like he's been in so many bands since he left Corn, and all of them have just been a flop. Yeah, uh, like every time he comes out with a new band, with the new band comes like another like jab at Corn because he's just kind of like, yeah, I, I, it's just like yeah, it's just awkward to read. You know, it's just a guy that's so jealous and wants to be back in Corn, but. They've obviously got since got a way better drummer and they've moved on to do bigger and better yeah. things. Oh, Ray Luzio is fucking sick. He's in, yeah, mate, don't get me started. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, that was uh, what I wanted to bring. Does Burton C. Bell just trying to sort of keep relevant? And you mentioned that that might segue into your bit of news. This before, is, and it's going to be better news as such. Uh, it is that um, Fear Factory's new album now has a release date. Or oh, actually, wait, not a release date, but it does have a name, which is going to okay. be the album is going to be called Aggression Continuum. And apparently a new single is going to arrive in six days' time on Friday, April the 16th, and it's going to be called Disruptor. Nice. 
And yeah, uh, he, post, he posted a little bit of a, a snippet of a riff onto his um, Twitter account, Dino. I'll and so, yeah. oh, it sounds fucking spicy, I tell you. Right, very yeah. Fear Factory-esque, like fast, aggressive, technical. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this, to be honest. Yeah, man. Like, I, again, I, we, we obviously brought this up. I can't even remember what podcast it was, but we did bring up the fact that, I mean, for me personally, I, I adore Fear Factory and, um, you know, from what I gather, this 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 new record's still going to have Burton C. Bow on it. But in regards to touring and stuff, presumably they're going to have a new singer. And yeah, like just to have Fear Factory back really is is what I'm really excited about because uh, they're a fucking awesome band, regardless of all the dramas that surround them at the moment. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. I look forward to uh, checking out new Fear Factory when it arrives in six days yeah cool have we got anything else for news or is that all we've got for uh for this week black Veil brides released a new song and it's uh meh i mean when i say news barnaby <laughs> that that up as a joke it's like it's like and then this happened and anyway moving on like are oh, you really not gonna take that seriously fuck no fuck no uh, although I did see like on Amazon Prime the other day, old what's his name Andy Bullsacks in like a new series on there, and it actually looked all right. It was I forget what it's called now. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's some kind of like new series on uh, Amazon Prime, but yeah, it was about because Amer- American Satan was dog shit. <laughs> I yeah, uh, but it's that a film presumably he was in or yeah, was that another yeah, series like Danny Warsnop, Andy Andy Douchesack in it, and oh, uh, it's fucking. Terrible. See, apparently Randy Blythe's in this new shit that like he just plays like a he plays a guy in a band apparently I, I, I'll have to check it out and then obviously come back to the podcast to talk about it if it's yeah. any, any good but um, yeah cool alright moving on to the uh, the reviews of the show the first record we're going to be talking about this week it comes from a band called Examinate I couldn't find much in the way of a biography about this band um, but from what I'm aware of this this is a uh, a two piece experimental metal band from uh, Seattle, Washington, and again, it's it's not a band that I was familiar with when uh, Christoph brought this band to uh, to the pod. So, uh, I mean, was it a band that you were familiar with as well, Christoph, or was this like a just a random one that you had found? And yeah, no, I stumbled across it through Spotify. It's kind of like drawn in, you know. Yeah, cool. And Barnaby, presumably you were in the same boat as me, like you didn't. Yeah, in the exact same boat. No uh, boat pun intended. Mm, never heard of well, these guys before. Yeah, and they probably never heard of the fact that you're all living on a boat too. So you know, we'll uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll glaze over that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so uh, as I said before, this is a uh, from what I gather a two piece band that very much kind of sit in the lines of like the experimentational, uh, very emotionally driven sort of metal music and um i think that listening to this release uh one thing that is abundantly clear to me is that this really does show promise for sure i think uh, like when it comes to this kind of emotionally charged metal thing it's been done so much over the years and it, it does become very hard to dis- distinguish uh bands unless they can bring something unique to the table and uh i kind of like find that whether that be you, you're approaching it vocally in a different manner or if you're bringing different elements into the mix 
again, it, it can kind of be very difficult to not be lumped in with that kind of whole, oh, well, they're a band that basically do this kind of sound. And, you know, you can associate that sound with like 30 other bands that sound the same as that. Um, and I, I feel that like with Examinate, they are definitely on the cusp of doing something great not to diminish this release because i do think it is great in doing that thing of like very again emotionally charged metalcore-esque thing but uh unless you're gonna bring something that is a bit different to the table then unfortunately it is going to kind of it's going to lack that push uh i mean what did uh what did you guys think going into into this yeah i, I dug it it was it was good. Okay, I, mean, I found there was a, there was quite a lot of chunky riff work going on, which I think drew me to it, and the vocals were really good as well. And I didn't really find it that much different from other bands which I've heard in the sort of similar metaphor. Well, yeah, vibe. I mean, this is the point I'm trying to make. So it, it's like when you listen to this kind of stuff, it's just like, okay, well, I, it's kind of the same tricks that I've heard before, so to speak. Christoph, I mean, obviously you being the person that brought it initially to us, what did you reckon when you when you first stuck it on? I really like. I liked it when I first stuck it on, but I liked it a lot more when I whacked it back on yesterday and yeah. the back half of it again today. Like, I like the fact that there are some different vocal sort of ranges, you know, yeah. like in luminous, luminous, yeah, as uh, I, luminous, yeah. You have these nice deep vocals, and then you have a solo that, just as it starts, introduces some really cool black metal vocals. Yeah, but there's not lots of them like throughout the fucking tune from there. But yeah, I liked it. I liked the fact that everything was a bit different, so you kind of it kept your attention despite how short it was, which is really fucking cool. Yeah. But yeah, and they got like stuff like Grey State was quite nice, where they've got. The chorus happens and then everything changes afterwards. Like yeah. I quite enjoyed that. And yeah, I really, really like this album. Like, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's like occasionally you'll come across these flourishes of like you say, like these black metal vocal lines, or uh, even you'll you'll get these very subtle orchestral parts. That there's a song I believe it closes the record, which is called "Blackened Landscape," which is a good exam- example of that, where it, it occasionally as the song chugs along and it's got that very kind of uh, metal chord dynamic, it will then end up having these very big orchestral parts at the tail end of it. And you're like, holy shit, like we didn't see that coming from like, from this, you know? And, uh, and it, it, it does just out of nowhere. Sometimes it will kind of like grab you and say, Oh, by the way, we're doing this now. And it's just like, Oh shit. Okay. Well that, that does keep my attention because I assumed that like for the first couple of minutes of this song, you were just going to keep doing the stuff that I've heard so many times before. Well, oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're a band who are like this new and this small to have a sound that's quite comfortable and defined. It just means that like from here on out, they're just going to get better and better. You know, it's like you found your foot in within this sound and you can hear bits of theirs that are a bit more individual. Yeah. And yeah, it's fucking banging. Maybe if they end up adding extra members so you get extra points of view, because obviously there's only two of them. Mm -hmm. If you get extra members for your touring band or whatever, they can only get better and better, I reckon, because they're fucking solid. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just, just, as I said, it's just one of those records where 
you can appreciate it and you can listen to it and it's just it's good for what it's worth but you know that this is something that is capable of so much more uh and as you say this being a a very a release that's very at the very beginning of of you know their career and and their musical output uh you can only be excited about what they can build on following this and you would hope that they would then start to bring in a lot more of those different elements to kind of keep it apart from uh that very generic style of music you know but yeah i i mean i thought this was great in regards to um you know the 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 fact that it's only like about 23 minutes long too it doesn't really outstay its welcome this it's just like you can listen to it once and uh and i don't think you would be nonplussed to uh you know stick the thing on again because it's just like well, well i kind of feel like i need a bit more you know uh, it never it never kind of uh feels like it's too long and yeah i, I really liked it about that uh, i think for me the, the those orchestral bits are what really kind of kept my interest so blackened landscape again is it's probably got to be my uh my go-to song if you know if i revisit this and i'm, I'm pretty certain i will barnaby i mean did you have much else to bring to the yeah uh, not really no other than that yeah, i did like it yeah cool uh well again i mean as i say it's uh it's definitely worth your time this uh this record uh just so you can uh you can kind of grasp what the band are about what you're kind of going to expect to get uh moving forward and uh yeah for a for a initial release it's fucking great and uh you know it is something to be excited about and definitely keep your uh, your ears to the ground on with regards to this band so uh that is again a band from seattle washington they're called examinate and the album is called luminous again i apologize i'm not pronouncing that correctly but i'm pretty certain uh that is what it says here <laughs> cool all right anything else to add to those guys before we move on to the next record not that i can think of no no i'm good all right cool in that case the next record that we are gonna talk about uh it comes from now this is um <laughs> this is uh sp- i mean spoiler be prepared for a bit of wanking off so uh <laughs> <laughs> it comes from uh, a Belgian black metal band called Sally. Is that how I pronounce it? I'm having a really bad time of pronouncing these band names this week. Is it Sa- Sally? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Well, if, if anybody is a fan of, is aware of this band or even the members themselves, we sincerely uh, apologize if we're pronouncing the name wrong. I'm pretty certain that this review will make up for that. Uh, so. As I say, this is a Belgian black metal band initially formed back in 2009. And uh, this is their fifth studio record, uh, which rather suitably is called V, which in Roman numerals is the number five. I hope that they meant that. Uh, Otherwise, I've made myself look like a Wally and a cunt at the same time. But, uh, you know, it's it's like it's like that five finger death punch album. And people say it's like it's, it's, it's called F8, not fate. And like, it, all right, fair enough. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Don't fucking punch your wall in frustration. Yeah. Well. Anyways, let's not talk about five finger death punch because let's let's talk about something infinitely better. So, Sally, you boys fans of this? 
I've never heard of this band before, actually, but I do. I did like this album when I listened to it. I think it's yeah. cha- it has helped change my opinion on black metal at least slightly, which I'll probably get onto a bit later. Oh well, that's 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 really good. Fuck me. What about you, Tissot? <laughs> oh, dude, I dug it. I'm a bit gutted that I didn't have enough time to like flip through their back catalogue, but then there's the fucking rest of the weekend for that shit. Oh, exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I um uh, with you guys. This is a band that I also wasn't familiar with, and I feel ashamed for uh, for not being familiar with them. I mean, it's like every now and then you come across a band that, A, you question why you've never heard of them until now, and B, you also question why they're not fucking massive. Because, you know, I think this band firmly sit in that category. Just... An absolute joy to discover this band in general and, and the fact that they've got another four records prior to this that you can dive in on i was on board the minute i heard the first song off this record called suffering sanctuary and um i feel like unlike a lot of black metal bands you can just appreciate the musicianship as the production just shines through on this and we were only reviewing the drowned god last week and you know i think we all pretty much agreed it was a really really fucking awesome album but as with a lot of black metal sometimes it can be hard to appreciate the musicianship because you're just basically it's like a whirlwind of chaos basically you've got sounds coming at you from every conceivable angle whereas with this album the production it just allows you to appreciate every little element, the drums, the vocals, the guitars, the bass. You can just hear the pianos as well. You know, it, it, it's just like you can hear everything so clear and so concise. You can just essentially appreciate how talented and, and all of those elements coming together, how great they sound. And like, it's just, it's just one of those albums where, again you put it on and, and it's so like immediate for me but anyways like the the riffs are just so undeniable before i move further on because i could get spunk on for another one <laughs> <laughs> uh christoph i mean what did you think musically going into into this i loved it i love the fact that it just yeah. starts with all-out brutality and doesn't really let up too much from there it's just fucking dope and destructive because you got tunes like fetid flesh was one that like really hooked me back in and it's just they're just savage and i think the later they go like the later you get into the album Mm -hmm. you get a lot more of these like behemothy sort of vibes and they honestly like i think if they were to play and be a support act, it wouldn't be one of those things where you're like, oh, great, it's two of the same black metal bands. You know, they've got mm-hmm. enough individuality that, like, they could be there without it getting too repetitive and being like, oh, it's three hours of fucking black metal. Great. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> but they've also got, like, this insane maturity. And, like, again, another one of these bands where you're like, you've really found and conquered your fucking sound. Yeah, no one knows who you are. I think it's the same with all of these bands at the like today. They're all fucking tiny bands who should be a lot bigger than they are. Yeah, man, it's just especially to that caliber of like good as well. Like this, I was at least expecting to see them have like you know over like 
I mean, 10,000 plays. It's not like it's you could arguably say like 10,000 plays is kind of like a that's you know, it's quite a good milestone. But like looking at this band Spotify, like fuck me, like come on, man, like people, like open your fucking ears because like I don't get why a band like Dimmu Borgir, and don't get me wrong, I think Dimmu Borgir are, are great, but like are they any better than this? Because, like, I mean, mate, like, I fucking, I, I, it was just so good, this. It was just so immediate, and it gave me everything I would get out of a Dimmu Borgir or a Behemoth first listen, you know? And, like, I, I go, I can't wait to just dive into, like, the back catalogue of this, because, like, fuck me. If it's anything like this album, like, I've been sleeping on this band for quite a while. Uh, Barnaby, I mean, what did you reckon when you, uh, when you stuck it on? Oh, I dug it straight from the get-go. Yeah. I think the reason what's oh, it's changed my mind a little bit is because it's got quite a lot of the similar instrument instrumentation or instrumental vibes of like most death metal bands. I think that's why I dug it. Like that riff in Suffering, Suffering Sanctuary when it opens is just absolutely crushing and it's brutal yeah. and it slaps. It's like, it's quite similar in a way to a lot of death metal. And I think that was when it sort of ticked where it's like, okay, this is actually better than I thought it would be. And maybe I need to give more black metal bands like this a chance. Yeah, well, again, I mean, that's a great shout because you wonder, like, maybe the, the whole, like, people that are into death metal, they kind of struggle to get into the whole more black atmospheric metal side of things. And this will be a great segue or gateway band to get into the more kind of, like, immortally emperor style of music. Cause, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, like, it, exactly. It, it does draw in those... Um, it draws in all those elements, but it makes you... It just makes you like not miss the whole death metal side of things, but also getting you into that like whole atmospheric side of things. It's uh, it's definitely one of those albums. I mean, from a from a track point of view, I, I loved uh, a song called Channel Chamber has this it had this very anthemic feel to it, like around the, the four minute mark. I think it's only like a, a six or seven minute song <laughs> only, but. but only but you know it's one of those songs where like you don't really feel like it's that long because it just like you just get drawn into it and it's just around the four minute mark there's this like haunting chanting thing that just sounds so fucking epic you know it's just you can imagine that being live and just chanted by like thousands of people another one loathsome legacy uh, which I fucking I love the piano in that song. I was it's, I was gonna bring it up. That was fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's just like it's got that very low refrain piano, and then you've got the riff that does the same thing, and um, it's just so it's such a great song. It's just so like so dark and so like dingy. It's it's fucking great. It's what you want from a, like a a black and death metal band if you like, you know. And uh, yeah, man, like I. I I don't know what more I can say other than the fact that I just implore everyone, everyone and anyone, uh, if you're remotely interested in death metal or black metal, just please just give this band a fucking, uh, just give this band a follow and a, and a listen because I I struggle to see how anybody that's into that, that thing cannot be impressed by this. Uh, I mean, uh, have you guys got anything else to add to this? Uh, or? Don't think so. No, you've pretty much summed up everything I wanted to say. I'd like to say, if you want a spectrum of how fucking good this album is, when I first chucked it on yesterday, they had just over 700 monthly listeners on Spotify. 
overnight now like this is like 24 hours later they've doubled that so wow. for a band with five yeah for a band That's with fucking incredible. five albums and overnight like it goes to show just how fucking good this shit is like it's yeah. just fucking phenomenal That's and they amazing. deserve it and they deserve it to be fucking doubled again tomorrow you know Hells yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. Like that's that's really fucking cool to hear that like people are responding to this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I agree. Yeah, and that that's that's a, a band called Selly, their fifth record, which is called V, aka five in, in Roman numerals, which is out now. Okay, so that brings us to the last record that we're gonna be talking about this week on the show. Okay, so moving on to the last record that we're gonna be talking about this week. So, um, this band are from Cambridge, would you believe? And anyway, they're a uh, <laughs> they're a band that, being from Cambridge, you kind of assume that being that being the helm of culture and sophistication, you would expect that band to uh, to have some cadence, and you know, nothing filled me with so much happiness to introduce a band called Celestial Sanctuary. Uh, with their debut record soul diminished and uh this is a bit of fun i'd say so <laughs> i'll start off with you guys what did you what did you make of uh of celestial sanctuary and their debut records i dug it yeah cool why because <laughs> it sounds like they're basically the cambridge version of morbid angel that reminded me a lot of really old school proper death metal before before it became so soulless and bland and you know mate you fucking i love you but you've kind of like fucked me with my notes because that's exactly what i (laughs) (laughs) Um... but you know i'm trying to say right it's just like these guys are from cambridge that makes it all the much more better because they're absolutely fucking savage yeah devastating man and uh, christoph what did you i mean presumably you in the same boat as us yeah, dude. I mean, I was kind of taken for six because when not that you judge books by covers, especially when you review music, but with like Celestial Sanctuary, you're like, oh, it's going to be some kind of like spacey, doomy, fucking groove metal. Nah, you're completely fucking wrong. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and like, they're like this black Sabbathy touches of Pantera sort of fucking vibes going on. Yeah. Like, they were just dope and they got darker and darker. Yeah, yeah, I was fucking well into it. And I don't know if you guys have actually looked at them as a band. They look as savage as they sound. Uh, I've not seen a picture of the band themselves, no. I, the artwork's really fucking cool with this record. I really dig it. It was like really like a like very kind of horror-y, you know, that, the kind of thing you would expect for this this style of music, but... Just lovely and sludgy, a bit of death metal. It's, it's just fucking. It's. It, I mean, I'm a sucker for this kind of shit. Really, there's something about that that whole kind of. Forgive my ignorance, but I'm not entirely sure what you would call the effect. But there's like this this echo effect on death metal vocals that just grabs me right by the pud, and it's like you know. It's the same thing with Riley from Power Trip did it with his vocals. There was just like this effect that they put on his voice, which was like this very kind of echo-esque effect. And against like, you know, this very kind of modern filter of death metal, those like 
those like echoey vocals just sound so fucking good you know it's just it has to be listened to to really understand what i'm saying it's it's just those those vocals in the way that they've been recorded and put on the record against this filter of, of metal it's just like you know it's, it's a scratch that it, it scratches that itch uh after some like fist pumping old school metal put through that modern filter it's just undeniable um i mean barney you've obviously you know said that you you <laughs> as soon as you put it on it was it was just as immediate as you know as we, we've said, I mean, uh, were there any particular songs that stood out for you? I think the, the best ones were for me were uh, the opening track, Rid the Gormless, and Relentless yeah. Slavagery, and uh, Suffer Your Sentiments. God, those were rippers. Oh, man. It's a thing. I mean, uh, it's it's like, yeah, I, I can't help but agree. For me, it's like one of those albums where it, it just absolutely flies by. I think in, in total, it's about around about the 40 minute mark or so. About that, yeah, thirty-seven minutes, twenty-two seconds. Yeah, man, it's just one of those ones where it's like, like when death metal's done really, really fucking well. Um, I just find that it just flies by, you know, because you're just so like engrossed and so like your adrenaline's pumping so much. It's just, but you don't notice that forty minutes has gone by by the time you get to yeah, the end of it. Well, like, I, can... I love. Yep, sorry, mate. As you were saying, I could easily see these guys going on tour with someone like Decapitated or Obituary or Morbid Angel or even yeah. a band like Deicide, maybe. Like these could go, these these guys could, could bag themselves a seriously good tour spot once yeah. they get once they get noticed more. Definitely picking up on like the Morbid Angel vibes from this too. Like, yeah. uh, even with the album cover as well. Like I'm getting a little bit of like Obituary, uh, Calls of Death in the um, album cover of this. It's really sick. Yeah, man. Like, it's clearly one of those bands that are very influenced by that whole, like, death metal movement in, like, the uh, the early 90s, moving on to, like, the late noughties. Uh, and it's just, like, you know, undeniable, really. If, if you're a fan of, like, death metal and that whole aesthetic that comes with it, uh, you, you can't not, like, find this irresistible. Uh, I mean, Christoph, did you have um, anything else to add to to this really i mean it's just yeah. i think i got my shit out of the way at the start to be honest like yeah 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 they've just got this insane sort of everything you love about metal when you're younger they've just kind of gone okay we'll just chuck it into one fucking album mm. you know yeah man and the fact that this is a debut as well once again it just fills you with so much like excitement knowing that okay well this is clearly like a a very like premature like band that are only starting to get the gears moving and find their feet if you like and knowing that they can build upon this too it's just like oh you know it just like i just cannot wait it's one of those bands that i look at i mean it was, i said the same thing i mean obviously we weren't a podcast at the time but i remember saying the same exact thing about a band like uh venom prison which again, I don't know if either of you are familiar with that band, but oh, I absolutely um, love Venom Prison. Venom Prison. So when they released their debut, uh, Anubis, I believe it's called Anubis or Animus, I think it's called Animus. Sorry, I'm getting oh, confused. Oh, that was a that. fucking absolute Animus. ripper of a record. Yeah, and again, I, I, it's what it gives me the same feelings as that debut because I just figure like, okay, this is fucking incredible, but 
you know, you know that they're they can build on this and come back with something just as savage and something like even more contemporary. And uh, and they did that very thing, um, especially in Venom Prison's case. And uh, again, with, with this, I just assume that they're going to build on this and come back with something that's just as fucking devastating and just as like, if not more, uh, you know, fucking awesome. I'm really, I'm really happy that Christoph brought this to our attention because they're not a band that I was familiar with prior to going into this. And, uh, I'm really happy that, you know, that you did bring it because man, it's fucking, it's gold, man. It's so good. So fucking good. Have any of you guys got anything else to add to uh, Celestial Sanctuary? Uh, I think I've said everything I needed to say. No? Yeah. Go listen to our three fucking tiny bands because they've got massive sounds and they should be fucking massive themselves. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing that should be highlighted this week is the fact that the bands that we are talking about, they aren't necessarily that well known. And, and we just hope that from this that they do get a bit more attraction and they do get a bit more attention because fuck me is it more than deserved for the releases this uh yeah. for the releases this week yeah i think it was good we're doing this more often because i know we started it when we covered product of hate's uh record a few episodes back yeah and i've been giving these like bands that necessarily don't have a bigger following like exposure and it's like i really hope the, all these bands get the exposure they deserve exactly and that's the whole point i believe i mean it's just fact that like you want to get these these incredible albums that come out. You want to like scream from the rooftops about how good they are. And there's nothing more frustrating seeing a band that deserve the recognition they deserve. And when they don't get it, you're just like, well, what the fuck's going on? You, you feel like, you, I don't know if you guys have seen The Big Lebowski, but you feel like Walter from The Big Lebowski. You're just like, yeah. you want to basically bring a gun out of your fucking bowling ball bag and say, am I the only one that gives a shit about the rules? The whole <laughs> crazy! <laughs> that's how i feel when i listen to a band as great as the ones that we've been listening to this week it's just like why wouldn't you give this band the attention that they deserve because fuck you know just made me think of that scene fuck's sake yeah dude, it's just that's how i feel about these bands right now like why the fuck aren't they as big as is you know the bands that everyone's talking about yeah. right now you guys won't listen to bands like this but you're gonna listen to fucking weezer yeah well fuck me <laughs> Weez is a different caliber but we all we you know we don't think there's a lot of people just need to fucking have a dig around you know like scratch below the surface and then scratch a little bit further because the thing is bands like your Weezers or machine head or whatever they can afford to sort of yeah. advertise so that they're on your fucking timeline whether you know them or not whereas these fuckers you've got to find these random niche people through spotify or through weird facebook fucking alleyways and shit like that you know they've all got to start somewhere you know and uh, absolutely i i just sincerely hope that every one of these bands this week do get the recognition they deserve because i i feel that like especially this week there's not been one record that's like been bad by any stretch of the imagination they've all been fucking incredible uh so again that that's um that's Celestial Sanctuary, their debut record, Soul Diminished, which, again, I thoroughly implore anybody that's into the whole death metal side of things to to, to just listen to, because, you know, you, you might well end up finding a band that you're just like, you immediately fall in love with. So, uh, yeah, cool. All right. So that does then bring to a close the reviews on the show this week, uh, which 
then brings us to the very, very last segment of the show, which... <laughs> Why are you pulling that hillbilly face? <laughs> it's that moment of excitement, isn't it? Trying to get you There's going to be so <laughs> much wankery <laughs> going on right now. These listeners have no idea. Yeah, and he had like this face like he was playing a banjo being fucked in the ass. Yeah. We're going to do Symphonies of Destruction, which for anybody that doesn't know... It's the segment of the show where we bring a classic record into the show and just basically spunk off about it for uh, five to ten minutes, depending on how full our balls are. But uh, <laughs> this week is no exception. So uh, we're going to be talking about a little band called At The Gates with their cult classic uh, Slaughter of the Soul. So again, a band that I feel that, you know, if you're a metalhead, of course you're going to know about a band called At The Gates. Uh, they're, they're just as influential, I feel, as a band like, I mean, In Flames. That whole kind of Gothenburg scene going out into the, the mid-90s was uh, was quite a thing. Because, you, I mean, again, bands like In Flames, and you look at In Flames now, and they're, they're, they're a real big name, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, I thought you were going to say that their late, recent material's been a bit meh. Yeah, but I mean... Uh, that's a different argument, though, I guess. That's a, another conversation for another day. But, I mean, in terms of the, you know, the old Inflames from um, the Jester up until... I mean, fuck me, I, I like leeches. But, you know, again, another conversation for another day. But the, the whole point of it is that there are these bands that would have come out in the sort of mid-90s that would have cultivated such a massive, massive following and a massive kind of scene, if you like, uh, in, in the the whole metal circles uh and more particularly the the gothenburg movement which is essentially a group of bands that hailed from the same area that 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 got a real big following because they were they were all so consistent and all so good at what they did uh that they again cultivated like a movement if you like within their their hailed countries so um in flames in particular uh, not in flames fuck me at the gates in particular, uh, were no exception to that. So initially their um their debut records, I mean I don't know whether or not prior to uh Slaughter of the Soul, have you guys listened to much of the At the Gates albums before this? I listened to a bit of their stuff before this, and it was mostly their um later material, which I really dug as well. But my in, my main main introduction to these guys was Slaughter of the Soul. Slaughter of the Soul. Okay. Well, what about you, Christoph? I mean, yeah. Was this? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't dug too much deeper than this. Like. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. So, I mean, th- their debut, uh, I believe, was called "The Red Red in the Sky Is Ours." Uh, I mean, I I did listen to. A lot of the earlier at the gates material prior to going into slaughter of the soul and in particular uh the debut production wise just sounds like it was recorded in a cupboard you know it's, it's again like like how most of these bands in the like very early 90s they've got like a very they got very limited tools at their disposal in regards to recording music and i'm pretty certain that at that time you know, there was no such thing as Pro Tools back then, and there was no such that we just didn't have the technology to sound how bands sound now. So yeah, you know, you you listen to that and you appreciate. Okay, well, I understand that like it sounds like this because it's just that's how things sounded 
in the 90s, well, the very early 90s. Um, and then their second record, With Fear, I Kissed the Burning Darkness. Uh, again, that was all right. It was production had definitely been ramped up more. The songs were, were all right. Again, there, there was no like there was no big standouts for me. And then the third record, Terminal Spirit Disease, which is a fucking great record. I think that Terminal Spirit Disease is one of those albums that obviously it was prior to Slaughter of the Soul. And I think that it does get pretty it does get very overlooked because Slaughter of the Soul is such a classic record. A lot of people probably disregard many of the, the albums prior to Slaughter of the Soul because for good reason. I mean, you think, oh, well, as good as Slaughter of the Soul is, why would I bother with these records prior to it if I've got this? But I would implore anybody to go check out uh, Terminal Spirit Disease, which is the third album, which is a fucking, it's a great record um, that really deserves your attention as much as Slaughter of the Soul. But Slaughter of the Soul is the record that we're going to be talking about this week on the show. So, um, I mean, again, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll start off with Barnaby. So, Barnaby, you said that this was obviously your very first introduction to the band themselves. When when was it you first listened to at the gates? Oh, God, fucking hell. This is going back a fair ways. I think it was probably mid early to mid-2017 when I first read... Oh, well, a, okay, yeah. When I first read about the band, I think it was in Metal Hammer, and there's like this top bloody death metal albums of all time and slaughter the soul was on there and it's quite near the top so i thought well i mean if it's that high up in metal harmony regards it as that great then i probably should go and listen to it yeah and then i was just like holy shit this has opened up a whole new world and then that opened up me getting into other bands such as soil work and scar symmetry and dark tranquility and all these other fantastic bands from gothenburg yeah i mean dark tranquility again being one of those bands that were very much like involved in that whole gothenburg movement the fact that you say it's 2017 that you had first found out about at the gates it's fucking mate that's like it's one of those one of those things where you know when something makes you feel old yeah because <laughs> like fuck i mean I, at the gates have been like one of those one of those bands sorry that i've just been like aware of for so long and like uh I mean, I've been I've, I've been aware of them for so long, knowing that you only found out about them in like you know what's that 2017 thing like what four years ago? Wow, that, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Barney. What are you, uh, Christoph? What, I mean, what was your first introduction to At the Gates? I don't know when my first introduction to them would have been. All right. But I've always been quite guilty of them being one of these bands who I'm like, all of a sudden I'll be like, oh shit, they exist, don't they? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like. I fucking love them, but yeah, I just kind of forget and then come back and they'll be one of those bands who I just binge fucking endlessly, you know, but it was kind of scary when I had a look into them last night and been like, wow, these guys have been established since I was a year old. Yeah. I always, you know, they're, they're a band who it's easy to forget how old they actually are. Exactly. I mean, right. um, I mean, this record in particular. So this was released on November fourteenth, nineteen ninety-five. So I mean, I probably would have been only like four years old at the time. I was six. I mean, mate, it's it's insane. Like knowing that, like knowing how innovative and how much like we all collectively love this album. Knowing that we were only like basically children at the time when this came out. Barney wasn't so even children. Cool. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. barely a twinkle in my dad's eye. Yeah, fuck me. 
Um, I would have made like a very recruit comment then, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's 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 really signifies like the importance of this album. I think that us being like you know not even being metalheads or being aware of this band, I'd say at least like ten years after its release it's it says so much about how much of a classic album this really is so in terms of the the record in itself so i I mean i being somebody that that has gone into at the at the gates discography and going from their their debut records uh up to slaughter of the soul I think it's it's evidently clear to me at least that i i think that the vocalist uh thomas lingberg I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, oh Thomas Lindberg. All right, fuck me. <laughs> show, just because this cunt knows how to speak a bit of like, you know, the, the whole Scandinavian language, he thinks that he has the right to correct me. I'm just an English guy in a Ric Flair t-shirt trying to pronounce a Swedish name, Barnaby. Appreciate me. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so Thomas Lindberg, as Barnaby corrected me on, uh, I think that he definitely found his uh, his feet with this record, uh, especially listening to the debut and working your way up to Slaughter of the Soul. You just immediately find that he's definitely... He's definitely kind of, uh, he, he sounds, I mean, he sounds fucking brilliant on this record, basically. And, and like, you can, it's really cool to listen to the evolution of his, of his vocals from the debut up till this. Because from this point onwards, I kind of feel like this was, like, very much the, the, the point where he was like, okay, this is how I'm going to sound for the rest of my career, basically, as, as a singer for, a, you know, a, a death metal band and uh yeah it's like it goes without saying it's just like (laughs) it's a fucking it's an amazing performance from him on this album what did you guys think when you uh when you when you mean initially when you listened to the slaughter of the soul record did you uh immediately connect with it or did it take a bit of time oh i immediately immediately straight out of the gate it clicked with me as soon as that opening riff in blinded by fear came on it was like boom straight away (laughs) He's done it again, Christoph. He's done it again. It's just oh, like he's stolen your notes. He's like, no, he's doing those like puns where he's like, he, he's pretending that it's not a pun when it really is. Like oh, straight, straight out, out of the, the gates. gates. Straight out of the gates. I was fucking. I was so connected with it. It's like, don't pretend that you're not doing a fucking pun because you are. Yeah, about half the time, I don't even think about it. And it's when you bring it up you that do. I realize, oh yeah, I did do that. Think, but you you must... say this, but we can't see his notes. We can't see what's under there. That he's going. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Hang on. Scribble down I bet. notes. <laughs> I, I really want to introduce like a soundboard thing where we can go like a whenever he fucking talks because like he just if he doesn't if he's doing it without being aware of it. I feel that we should at least address it appropriately. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you were, so you were immediately connected with it at, straight out of the gate, as you say. Oh, uh, now you're just copying me. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> as so to speak, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. And I think the reason why this album has resonated with me is when you look at most modern metalcore bands and even some death metal bands particularly, they've always come back and cited this album as an influence. You can clearly hear that in like the riffs and in the guitar work and all that stuff. Like even... Matt Heafy has listed this album as one of his main inspirations when it comes to writing his material for Trivium. And also Avenged Sevenfold listed as an inspiration. Uh, Flesh God Apocalypse, which actually covered Blinded by Fear on their Mafia EP, I think it was. 
And it's also been a bigger influence to guitar players as well. I mean, the guitar player on this, the, the guitar tone on this record is infamous. It's being like it's one of the first of its kind, taking mm-hmm. a Boss HM2 pedal, putting it in the front of an amplifier, and just cranking the absolute fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah. It sounds simple, but I suppose at the time that would have been like a very innovative thing to do. You know, it's, it's something that bands wouldn't have been doing uh, prior to this. I mean, uh, it's like once as soon as you hit play, it's, it's just like I could imagine. Like, I mean, we're used to, you know, talking about this record in, in like, you know, 2021 and the catalogue of like death metal records that we've had since then. You know, it's just like you can say, okay, well, you listen to it now or or showing this album to somebody who's used to like your cannibal corpses and like your, even your more modern death metal bands like Whitechapel and, and, you know, so on. You can probably play this album to somebody now and like, they'll probably turn around and say like, oh, well, you know, eh, it's not as good as that, or it doesn't sound as like cutting edge as that, but you've really got to appreciate the time, you know, the fact that this was 1995 and the fact that there are bands that are still doing an inferior version of this kind of music in 2021 it just speaks volumes about the level of how fucking groundbreaking this record was, you know? Um, obviously it opens with like this very, very like intricate, like it's just like a very odd, like interlude. Uh, it sounds like a, like a bone saw cutting into like a metal beam but played in reverse so it's been recorded and then they play it in reverse and then all of a sudden you just get an absolute fucking slobber knocker of a riff that you get on uh, blinded by fear which is just like honestly man it gives me goosebumps thinking about like just fucking circle pits and beer chugging and just like it immediately plants you right in that environment this record you know you just immediately you're, you're transported straight into that environment of just like chaos and fucking metalheads running wild in a field and it, it's just it, it says the same the majority of the, of the tracks on this album you know um and it's like what song is it i believe it is it cold there's a song uh cold where i believe the guitar player at the time i mean it's considered to be like one of the best guitar solos oh, ever oh they had the the guy from king diamond andy the rock come in and do the guest solo yeah oh, fuck me man mate Absolutely. and like they're saying that, that that's that's like a that's a solo that people even to this day still struggled struggle to replicate because it's just so like fucking it's just so complex and just so like different you know it's just like how did he do that and it, like here we are you know fucking what like 15 years later no fuck me 15 years 25 years late 26 yeah, years later, six years later. <laughs> me yeah like here we are 26 years later and still like fantasize and just trying to gauge like how the fuck they did that at the time you know it's yeah, just exactly it, it's so good um and yeah i mean i i don't know about you guys but uh i mean barnaby you probably weren't aware of the significance of it at the time but i wasn't no but i can understand getting into it now i understand it completely the thing is is that i was going to say that the significance of them coming back and reforming was a very big deal because following slaughter of the soul this was actually their last record before an 11 year breakup from 1996 to 2007 uh, and they had actually reformed in 2007, 
and I feel that like the moment that the band because obviously once they had broken up they disbanded and, and you went on to get bands like the haunted which were formed in the wake of of uh at the gates but the moment that at the gates reformed in 2007 it was just like collectively in the the metal circles everyone was just like it's you know <laughs> it's just like I don't, I don't know it's like it's like the uh the equivalent of i don't know if you're a fucking football fan and your team wins like the premier league or whatever, you know, it's just like one of those instances where everyone was just so like fucking arms up in the air, like they're back, yeah. they're fucking back. And like, it's, you know, it's like nothing more exciting than that. And um, yeah, man, like I, since then, I mean, <laughs> the band have obviously still been churning out incredible death metal albums. Uh, obviously, they're due one this year, if I'm not mistaken. Another new record. Uh, yeah, we week. mentioned it in the news last week. Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, rest assured, we're going to be, we're obviously going to be reviewing it because, in case you didn't realize from this, we're quite big fans of At the Gates. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just can't really, you know, the, 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 the critical acclaim that comes with this record is one of those instances where like, well, yeah, of course it's got, it deserves that critical acclaim because it's just so fucking brilliant, this album, you know, and uh, there's really, there's not enough words in the English language that I'm aware of because my brain's very small in comparison to maybe quite a few people listening, maybe that I, uh, I can't really praise it more than the words that I have at my disposal. So uh, I don't know if you guys have got anything you want to add. I think I've spunked off enough about it. Yeah, man. I mean, I'd come through and counter your point earlier where you were saying that, like, you know, they didn't have all these Pro Tools and they didn't have all of this shit back in 1995. Yeah. However, like, when I was listening to it yesterday and today and a second time yesterday, I couldn't help but escape the fact that, like, dude, if we had reviewed this album with the other three from today like you wouldn't go oh this sounds old oh the recording style like mm-hmm. they've just encapsulated this timeless sound that you're like well it's 26 yeah. years old but you're like do you know what it could have been released yesterday and yeah. fucking held up you know yeah man. it was dope their use yeah, of sound bites their use of sound bites was just fucking perfect yeah and considering they were chucking these like weird sound bites in at a time where you had to like literally cut tape you couldn't just go oh i'll add this in here and have a break between the bass yeah. and whatever like it was ahead of its time mm-hmm. and with what they had to record this shit with like it stands up if not beats the shit out of a lot of stuff that's even re- recorded now like yeah yeah man yeah exactly. it's just savagely it's like a, it's like a vampire of music yeah. Like it may be fucking ancient now, but like it doesn't seem a day older than it is. No, it doesn't seem a day older than fucking current shit, you know. Exactly, it just stands the test of time. The fact that there are bands out there that are making albums right now and they're still they still don't sound, you know, as current and as relevant and as fucking groundbreaking as this record. That's like you know, as we confirmed after a very big period of time that's 26 years old going on 26 years old you know it's it's just 
it's an incredible thing this album and uh you know like if you haven't listened to it if if in the very 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 slim chance that you're not aware of at the gates or you're not aware of this album i can't emphasize enough how important it is and how how much you urgently need to stop listening to this right now and, and go and listen to slaughter slaughter of the soul because it's uh absolutely it's a fucking masterpiece um well have any of you guys got anything else to add to slaughter of the soul or are we uh in a go listen to slaughter of the soul go end. listen to slaughter of the soul yeah i uh, couldn't have uh couldn't have said it and better than go myself. listen to the haunted as well actually since these bands are interlinked and in a kind of yeah. way fuck it again another great band another good kind of uh good band to have I guess that the Haunted would have been a great band to sort of have in the meantime before At the Gates come back, uh, because the Haunted are fucking great as well, you know. But um, I don't think they hold a candle to At the Gates, to be honest with you. I think At the Gates are just fucking perfect. But yeah, cool. All right, well, uh, At the Gates again, uh, Slaughter of the Soul. I urge anybody to go and listen to it again, and I'm pretty certain that At the Gates will be coming back on the podcast. In a matter of a couple of months, with their new records, I can't remember the name of it. Do you remember the name of it, Barnaby? I think it's the Nightmare of Being. I'll have to double check on that. Okay, but cool. either way, it's uh, going to be sick. It will indeed. Uh, which then brings us to the end of the show. So we really, really appreciate you listening as always. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, go on our YouTube channel, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more stuff. But for now. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye for now. Love you, bye. See us. Woo! Woo! WrestleMania! Oh,